0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, happy Monday, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. And this is the Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by our good friends, at JustTheNews.com, and I know we've been podcasting, Gary, for a couple of weeks now, but I think today is the first day we're actually up big on the Just The News site, which is John Solomon's incredibly new, uh, uh, I would call it a conservative news website, but that the word conservative somehow implies it's not fair when it's completely and totally down the middle. It's a, its a It's a great site. We're honored and thrilled to be here, and Gary, thanks for joining us, and hope you have a good day.
1: Uh, so, I was listening very carefully, Tom. And so this is going to be heard by other people. I, I, Look, I,
0: I got a call from Carol Bauer this morning, uh, just asking me to, to get it all out of Gary now so that she doesn't have to deal with you. when you get home later tonight. Look, it's, it's a big news day. The big thing about podcasts that I've noticed myself, mm-hmm. I, hate, I just, the chit chat, there's too many podcasts out there, by the way, I think uh, we've just made news in that we are the last human beings on planet Earth to have their own podcast.
1: That, you know that could be. I mean, this is like at one point, uh, economists that were supposed to be smart said that eventually the American economy will evolve to just people selling coffee to each other, and that was fine. We could still be a great nation. I don't think that's true, John. That the Tom. <laughs> Tom, John, whoever, whoever. on the podcast, here just with. don't call me late
0: for dinner. Look, a lot of news uh, we got to get into today. Uh, you know, there were so many things we could have started with, but they say, I think Charles Krauthammer was the one who coined the line that the definition of a Washington gaffe is a politician who tells the truth. And I think maybe for the first time in about 50 years of public life, Joe Biden actually told the truth. He now promises he told some far left wing, transgender program uh, that he was interviewed on. I guess the interview was actually yesterday, but it was released today. Uh, Joe Biden now promises taxpayer funded gender mutilation surgeries for minors. Right. I- I'm glad we've now finally cleared this up. The official democratic party position is that puberty blockers, chemical castration, genital mutilation surgeries for minors is good,
1: Tom. Uh, if we're if we're talking about the same thing, the the, the president made these comments in an interview mm-hmm. with a man who is trans transitioning into being a, apparently not just a, a girl but a teenage girl. I mean, literally, his demeanor, the way he talks, the way he walks around, is a stereotype. Of what people will sometimes make fun of teenage girls about, yeah, you know, they're kind of empty-headed. This is these are the you know, people that are trying to satire uh, our daughters and granddaughters and so forth. It's sort of that you know that stereotype that you might see in movies or whatever. So you you had two men talking about how women can accomplish anything. There's a certain irony there, with one of them pretending to be a woman. That that would be the person with the dress on and the hair, et cetera. And the other one pretending to be a president. That would be the empty suit sitting there making these asinine contact uh, comments. Tom, think about this. President Biden thinks it's a national emergency if there is one less abortion this year than there was last year. He's all in on getting the abortion numbers as high as possible. He's actually declared privately within the administration a national emergency, which, by the way, Tom, led to the arrest of these pro-life demonstrators for things they did last year outside of an abortion clinic called exercising your First Amendment rights. But anyway, here's a president that loves abortion. And if you are lucky enough in Biden's America to get out of the womb alive He is perfectly happy if you are castrated or have a little girl having her uh, body parts mutilated. He'll even get the taxpayer to pay for it. And if you get through all of that and you end up visiting him in the White House, he'll sniff your hair. So, I mean, this guy is probably the most anti-child president in the history of the United States. This is –
0: you have to wonder. Fortunately, I'm not going to be around – uh, uh, to be proven or disproven, but a hundred years from now, what are they going to say about us? Now we have, uh, this just kind of lays it out. Bill Bennett, your former boss in the Reagan White House once said that politics is downstream of culture. And we see this with with these, the latest efforts to destroy great works of art, apparently now Claude Monet is a white supremacist, the Impressionist artist whose $150 million piece of art was destroyed over the weekend by so-called climate activists. The real evil here to these people is the very institutions that nurtured us, that created our civilization. All of the West is bad. It's all evil. They're trashing artwork, all the hallmarks of our civilization. Everything that we value, we're taught to value. From the family on up to the church, to the local neighborhood organization, to political organizations, to our constitutional institutions, They're, they all must be destroyed. And they've got to be destroyed so we can all live our full, independent, authentic, best lives. It's the ultimate in narcissism. We can choose whatever it is we want for ourselves with no downstream consideration about what comes after us, because they don't care what comes after us, just as surely as they don't care what came before us. They're total ultimate narcissists. They live for the moment. They care only about themselves. And these, these horrible ideas, they always start at the top. They are always at the top of the food chain with the elites, talking to other elites, and then they spread throughout the culture. The academia, then it's taught in college campuses, then it gets, it, it mutates, it, it, it gets into the arts and media and popular culture and then the corporate boardroom. And finally, when people impacted by this cultural tsunami start to vote, it gets into politics. And now we have a president who openly advocates genital mutilation for minor children.
1: Uh, Tom, you know, not not to put too fine of a point on it, but you and I both love history. When you go back and look at the words of the founders, all of which, by the way, is being debunked and undermined and denied. the f- The founders were very clear about this. Only a virtuous people could remain free. And there's a lot of stuff packed in there. If you're not virtuous, you won't be able to restrain your passions, your desire to grab whatever you want. And in order to maintain order, government will have to get bigger and bigger. And eventually, when government gets bigger and bigger, as we're seeing, that power corrupts absolutely. And it leads to a loss of real freedom and and real liberty. Sometimes in the debates I've been in in the last 30 years – I'll have a leftist when I quote the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence to them. Um, when, when it gets to the point where it will, where the second paragraph says that, uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among these the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the leftists will jump on the pursuit of happiness. Aha! See? Right there. The founders are saying whatever it takes to make you happy, you have a right to do. Tom, you know, you probably do know this. At the, at the era that the, the declaration was written, the definition of happiness was living a life consistent with God's desires for you. Well, it's clearly that is not what people or how people define happiness today. So they give it a, a, a meaning that would justify, you know, basically different strokes for different folks. If it feels good, do it. You've got a cafeteria here. There are 52 genders. Pick one. Uh, you know, and on and on it goes. It's easy to laugh at this. It's easy to just shake your head in wonderment that the party of Harry Truman, FDR, and John F. Kennedy has become the party of drag queens and gender fluidity surgery and uh, abortion on demand. But that's what's happened and it's a country with two parties. So just by the flip of a coin, that party currently governed by these types of ideas is fairly regularly going to be the governing party of the United States, which leads me back to a theme that comes up on our podcast quite a bit, which is the Republicans need to wake up here. This isn't going to be, well, when the Republicans are in We'll cut the budget at this agency, and then the Democrats get in, and they'll raise the budget of the agency. But there'll always be another election, so don't get too excited about it all. No, 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 my friends, these are fundamental questions that are at stake in the country. Once the genie is out of the bottle on the sort of things we're seeing, Katie barred the door. I mean, you can't, you can't put it back in. So. Tom, somebody once showed me, to make a point, a jar and the bottom layer was all red marbles and the next layer was all blue marbles and then green. It was a very good-looking jar, nice artistic rendition. And then they took the jar and they said, now this is what the left is doing to America. This is what's happening in our culture. And they shook the jar up. And the marbles were all over the place in the jar. And then the guy said, How long do you think it's going to take you to shake it back into the order it was before? Never, my friend. It would take forever to do that. And that is what's happening to us right now.
0: You are listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com.
1: Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that.
0: finally, I think, is back on his game, Gary. Uh, he tweeted, I'm looking at his tweet from earlier this morning in reference to the, the Biden uh, transgender uh, genital mutilation surgery promotion for minors agenda that uh, President Biden now thinks will, will help him win the midterms. Barr says this, this is not decay, it's organized destruction. Secularists and their allies among the progressives have marshaled all the force of mass media, popular culture, the entertainment industry, and academia in an unremitting assault on religion and traditional American values.
1: I can't argue with a word of that. No, very well put. I, I mean, I'm you know, I've, I've been Bill Barr's, in the broad sense of the word, friend for many, many years. Uh, we both served in, in the Reagan administration. He served in, I think, in... Uh, one of the Bush administrations, um, I, I don't – I have no idea why he seems to go – have gone so uh, over the cliff when it comes to talking about um, former President Trump the Trump-Pence administration or why in the world he seems like John Roberts to have become an institutionalist. That what he cares the most about is the institution he served in and so he will defend it no matter what it's doing at the time. But uh, this tweet that you just quoted is a is a hopeful sign that uh, that maybe he'll be back into battle, Uh, that that Justice Department that he served in is now being used with all of its powers and all of its thousands of attorneys as a battering ram to break down every door of every schoolhouse of every home to drive this radical ideology into those places and to bring the full power of the law down on the heads of any individual or any organization that dares to stand in the way. Now, this isn't new. They were doing it before under the Obama-Biden administration. Only the target then was the little sisters of the poor. They were going to make them partake in the abortion regime. Now, folks, if you're not familiar with the Little Sisters of the Poor, let me see if I can describe them. They're Little (laughs) Sisters, and they deal with the poor. They love the poor. They try to help the poor. That that, To think that hundreds of Harvard and Yale-educated law school graduates – Got out of bed every morning, went down to have breakfast, and their spouse said to them, "What are you doing today, hun? Going after organized crime, the mafia, trying to secure the border? No, no, we're going after the little sisters of the poor. We're gonna get those, whatever." It, it was un, it was inconceivable. I, Tom, you you remember this? The, the little sisters of the poor were brought to the White House, the Trump-Pence White House, where they were honored in the Rose Garden. I was honored myself to be there and see these beautiful little ladies who give their whole lives to serving God. I think when they took their vows, do you think it was ever in their wildest imagination that someday they would face the wrath of the federal government of the nation founded by Christian men and women who wanted us to be a shining city on a hill. Now, that same federal government, after doing the worst it could do to the little sisters of the poor, are going after parents, after pastors, after anybody that will not kneel before them and say there are 52 genders and you have been wronged because somebody assigned your sex to you at birth.
0: I think, I don't know whether or not... Um folks are, are, are paying much attention to this, but I believe that it deserves some attention. I think that, that Democrats aren't afraid of democracy failing, you know, threats to democracy. I think what they're really afraid of, Gary, is democracy working, a democracy where the people's interests and the people's issues are pursued by those they elect, and the reason this may very well come to pass in, what is it, 15 days, uh, two weeks from tomorrow, is because Republicans, as you've pointed out, and I was honored to work in the Trump White House for four years, Republicans are now the party of the middle class, the party of working Americans, the party of church-going Americans, not the party anymore of Mitt Romney or the Bushes
1: or um, – yeah the blank. Yeah, you got it. Well, well, the party of normal too. I mean, you know, normal. Right. Uh, the, uh, normal still polls pretty good. I, uh, I mean, it's not it's not as overwhelming as it used to be, but most people would still. Speaking of polls,
0: normal. speaking of mm-hmm. polls, and this is the second time you brilliantly segued into exactly what I had on my mind um, and in my notes. And by the way, for folks who are listening, we don't. Uh, there are no uh, uh, pregame huddles here at the Bower and Rose podcast.
1: I my objective um, I think they can I think they can tell.
0: <laughs> my objective is to uh send Bauer to the cardiac ward by by pitching him the kinds of uh pitching him the kind of heat that he'll react to and there's really nothing uh, more hilarious, more wonderful than watching Bauer blow a gasket. So let me try this. Let me try this.
1: Wait do I buckle up here, Don. Okay. You
0: saw it. this, the, uh, Siena College poll, distrust in the media poll. It seems that, that the overwhelming majority of Americans think the greatest threat to our democracy is the Democrat corporate media. The Siena College poll got some play over the weekend. 74% think our democracy is under threat, and 83% of those who do think that our democracy is under threat think that threat is from the corporate Democrat media, proving we aren't a threat at all to democracy, we're a threat to Democrats. Now listen to this, 59% of all voters, Democrat, Republican, Independent, regard media as the greatest threat to our democracy. Is there a bigger disconnect? Democrats have been focusing all this time on what they perceive as the threats that come from us. And how are they seeking to address them? What are their proposed solutions to, quote-unquote, our threat to democracy? Getting rid of the Electoral College. Either packing the Supreme Court or somehow disempowering ing- dis- it. Um, getting rid of the filibuster or even some on the far left are saying, get rid of the Senate altogether. In other words, the greatest threat to their democracy are the institutions of our democracy.
1: That's a good summary. I'm not going to explode on that one, Tom, because I I, I mean, the poll was, well, I guess I was a little surprised. I'm I'm surprised any time a poll appears to actually be a real sample of voters. This
0: was big, it was like 20,000 uh likely yeah, voters. Yeah, right?
1: I mean I would probably list polls as one of the enemies of democracy <laughs> since they're so often tilted. But this one appears to be a, an actual poll and one of the other groups that got high marks for being a danger to our democracy and by the way, you and I know Tom it isn't a democracy, it's a constitutional it's a republic. Federal republic, right? Right. Yeah. So but another thing that got uh, a lot of blame for being a threat was uh, the federal bureaucracy. Well, of course it is. You've got thousands, hundreds of thousands of bureaucrats that cannot be unelected. They've got lifetime security if they choose to stay in their particular government agency. And they are making decisions every day that deeply impact for the negative, our lives, our economy, our values and so forth. You know, Tom, speaking of polls, though, because it, it, this reminds me of one of the things that we've seen for a long time now is this question, is America headed in the right direction or the wrong direction? And you get these huge numbers that say the wrong direction. And I've noticed that, uh, on our, with our friends at Fox News and from a lot of the Republican establishment, they're pointing to that result, and they're saying, "See, this shows how upset the American people are about inflation and, and about uh, you know, supply chain problems and you know a lot of the other economic issues." And clearly, the American people are upset about those things. But I got news for you: even when the economy's better, that poll stays lopsided. We're moving in the wrong direction, and I think it's got a lot to do uh, with the subjects that are icky that nobody wants to talk about, least of which, you know, a senator is a member of the most deliberative body in the history of the world, where we debate carried interests and the peak marginal tax rate that you can have without, you know, hurting economic growth. Another one of these questions, Tom, is uh, one recently I saw where over, I don't know the exact thing, but over half the country said, I don't recognize the nation I live in. That, that is a very disorienting phenomena. And I know, I know what they're talking about because I feel it on many days. And that is not because of inflation. That's not because of some of these other issues that it's not, it's not because of global climate change. You know, it's these issues of right and wrong, of normal and abnormal, of all the things that order society, which sadly Republicans here, Mostly here in Washington, don't want to talk about, but a number of candidates around the country have gone after their Democrat opponents who are all in on this transgender nonsense. Which literally it it will destroy our children, destroy our culture, destroy our schools. This Tom, how did a country go from the, the men sitting in Constitution Hall, which President Biden Biden defamed with his speech, bathed in demonic red light, calling half the country in you know, a quasi-fascist way? How did we go from the men that sat in that hall writing the Declaration of Independence to the big debate? you know, breaking out all over America about the need for drive queens to read to our children. It's Rush Limbaugh
0: long ago. I don't know. This is 10, 15 years ago. This is back to the notion about the slippery slope and how Democrats always accuse us of accusing them for whatever their latest progressive uh, accessory challenge of the day is or cause of the day is. Well, that's a slippery slope. Uh, civil unions, that's gonna lead to gay marriage, it's gonna lead to a transgender movement, it's gonna lead to a president openly advocating genital mutilation surgeries for minors paid for by taxpayers. The problem with, as, as, you know, Rush 10 years ago, um, and this is a podcast I can say, it had a whole big shtick about how the left soon would be promoting, um, a, a new medical procedure called addictomy. And the whole thing was the atedictomies, and he was ridiculed for that and laughed at. And by God, that's where we are.
1: Yeah, it, it's. Uh, Did you get it, Gary? You know, what's that? Did you get it? I I don't want to I don't want tw- to think about it too much. Okay. I'm afraid right. I will get it. Actually, the
0: joke is it's not a joke. It's so sick. It's beyond twisted and demented. It's the opposite of atedictomy. It's cut it off. It's just um, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, it's. Okay. I wonder what our, uh, our progeny is going to say about us. This is the most – we're talking about mutilating children.
1: Yeah, Tom, and look, uh, children cannot consent one way or the other to, to big, dramatic things. We, our society has long recognized that there's an age of consent. When you're below that age, you don't let a child make a decision because they're not going to be able to process everything. Bill Maher's
0: great, no, Bill Maher's great uh, line about this was, when I was eight, I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God my parents didn't poke an eye out and give me a peg leg.
1: That is a great line. Uh, it, and look, we don't, it's the reason we don't let a nine-year-old go into a tattoo parlor and say, look, I want a naked lady on my forearm. You know, dad and mom and dad will love it. It's because uh, they're nine. Yes, they, e- exactly. And, and it's not like we don't have, you know, they keep saying follow the science. Well, there's a lot of science now because this has been going on for a while. And there are, there are a growing number of people that had these, this radical surgery who then you know, grew up to adulthood, and they're filled with regret. They're filled with regret, and there's no way to undo what they have done. Uh, you know, some European countries, Tom, are are now running away from this whole thing as fast as their spinely, radical, secular legs can carry them because even they can see the reality. Then you've got the other problem of th- there's an explosion of this, in, in schools particularly among little girls now why would that be all of a sudden a bunch of little girls have been assigned the wrong gender and and now they're they're going to seek surgery why would we have an epidemic of that now because it's the societal elevating it uh, up as some sort of wonderful thing lo you can be what you were intended to be it, it is uh it, it's insane i i I, I also have hold out hope, Tom, that it, this finally was the bridge too far. That maybe the left. How many
0: times has have we gone, said that, Gary?
1: Uh, well, I know, I, I know, but still. I wish I
0: could, I, you know. There's I,
1: some signs, there's some signs of backlash, but, uh, I'll tell you, here's what will prove that I was wrong by saying that maybe it's the bridge too far. The first time a leading Republican senator when asked about this, says, "Well, you know, that was a controversy of five, ten years ago. But now, I, I think, you know, we've we've reached a sort of a compromise on this. That those uh, those children that want to get the surgery can, but no child will be forced to get the surgery. <laughs> and uh, uh, now let's talk about the important stuff here. You know, about carried interest. We
0: got to take a break. And it's a good thing we did it at that point because who knows where Bauer was going to go. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast on JustTheNews.com." Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you. The Bauer and Rose podcast, third and final segment for today. I wanted to hit you with this, and then I'll let you run. It's China-related, and for the past 25 years, our conceded, and it wasn't just Americans, it was in the West generally, was that the promise of globalization uh, was that open trading rules would make uh, China more like us. It would open up authoritarian societies and in the process pave the way for a stable, more prosperous and peaceful world. Well, here's my thought. Uh, has our attempts to globalize the planet in our image, in fact, made us look more like China rather than China looking more like us. And I've got five examples, right? China's got state-controlled capitalism. We're lurching headlong in that direction of our own state-directed capitalism. Insurance companies, healthcare companies, banks, mortgage companies, they all operate today under strict top-down control by the federal government. Item number two, state propaganda. It's always been evident in China. It's always been there in communist China, but it's becoming much more evident and much more prevalent here in America. While the American media isn't owned by the government like it is in China, our corporate media, legacy media, carries the government's water. In fact, you could argue... It delivers the water. It tells the Democrats what to pursue. The implementation of of government policies, that's part and parcel of what corporate media views as its responsibility. The American media, this this isn't a, a controversial statement, it's a fact. The American media works with the state at the direction of the state. What about limitations on speech and dissent, Gary? In China, that's been... Part of life since the revolution prevailed in 1949. Now, we have these massive tech monopolies that censor what we say, can indicate what we what are approved messages, what are not approved messages. And there are many things, Gary, that simply cannot be discussed today in America freely in our digital public spaces. What about political dissent? China, we know what they do to dissidents, but what are we doing to dissidents? Well, I don't even know how many January 6th defendants accused of, of public parading or trespassing have been locked up for a year and a half. Here's the one ironic kind of uh, wrap-up to this soliloquy, if you will. And I think it's the most dangerous one. There's one area where American interests... And the interests of uh, China and the Biden administration do converge. Both power centers share the same underlying unified objective, both Chinese institutions and Chinese state policy. And now our American elites both share one objective, and that is to take America down.
1: Mm, That was great, Tom. I my reaction is what he said. (laughs) <laughs> uh, what, you just, what, what you just said was was extremely well put, Tom. Uh, it, you know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll get my shoulder out of joint here, patting myself on the back. Years ago, when this big debate about you know how trade with China would change China, um, I, I was one of the very vocal people in Washington D.C. that argued that trade with China would change America. You're you're you're
0: a better America. man than me. I fell for it hook, line, and sinker
1: and uh well i it's understandable you know and by, and by the way i got into uh i invite anybody that wants to to go back and uh you know rewind the videotape um i was in a presidential debate in 2020 in the republican primaries and joe uh and uh, george w bush and i were seated right next to each other and we went at it over trade with china uh it was uh it was it was a Is very there a YouTube,
0: is there a video is there a youtube yes. clip of that
1: Yes, yes, there is.
0: We ought to post that. Uh,
1: he he had just argued that we should uh, keep an economic embargo on Cuba. And then literally three minutes later, he made the case for trading with communist China. And I turned and looked at him. I said, you're completely undermining what you just said about the how trade with Cuba, Q- an embargo on Cuba will change Cuba's ways. Now you're turning around and saying you want to trade with communist China. No, I'm not contradicting myself at all. You know, and we went back and forth. Tom, I was head of the Family Research Council at the time, you know, which was a, which still exists today under able leadership. And, uh, it's a sort of social issue values based think tank in Washington DC and, and a lobbying group. And I I had some significant Christian donors who were yearning to sell products to one billion Chinese who called me and said, Gary, this is not what we're supporting you for. You're supposed to talk about the sanctity of life and about marriage and religious liberty. What are you getting into foreign policy for? And I had to explain to them why that was happening. And uh, and they made it clear in some cases that uh, unless I drop this, no more money for me, for the Family Research Council, and I refused to drop it. I had the Wall Street Journal Write an editorial that attacked me by name. I had a major Christian pastor, which I I won't mention, but somebody whose name, if I said it, you would recognize, who wrote an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal attacking me by name because I oppose giving most favorite nation trading status to communist China. So it took us a long time to catch on. And, of course, the problem is it could be too late. There are so many corporations with an interest in communist China. We've undermined – I I think the public is changing on this, but I think America's elites are still sort of shell-shocked. Wait a minute. How how did we get at such loggerheads? I heard a couple of guys on – Uh, CNBC, the investment channel this morning, you know, just bemoaning, oh, the Chinese people and the American people, they love each other so much. If just the governments could get out of the way. Are you serious? Chinese youth are being taught to hate America, to be ready to take America down, because America is the past, America is over, and the future belongs to communist China.
0: During that Brilliant response to my canned soliloquy. I came up with one area where China and America are very different in that sense, meaning the elites and what uh, they pursue for their people. The one big difference between China today and Joe Biden's America is that the Chinese people from the top down are taught and encouraged to love and revere their country with a sense of Chinese patriotic pride in a great civilizational history. While Americans, under the elites who now rule over us, are being conditioned to do precisely the opposite. And therein lies the great tragedy of our total dependence on China. I'm sitting here talking to you using fancy equipment I guarantee you everything that I'm using and everything that you're using was made in China. The Biden administration prints $4 trillion in cash that we don't have, sends it to the American people who go on buying splurges for things that aren't made in America. So what do they buy? Everything they buy comes from China, which is why our trade deficit now, despite our noble attempts, and I think well-placed attempts to put tariffs on Chinese imports to help provide some kind of cushion to American domestic manufacturing. Why now our Chinese imports are 50% higher than they were when we imposed those tariffs back in 2018.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great point, Tom. Um, you, you know, the, the, the extent you can get research out of communist China, um, there's a lot of indication that, that Sino or Chinese experts will tell you that the current rising generation in communist China is the most patriotic generation in Chinese history. They 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 look up to Mao, who, who was a monster. Um, we know for certain from the research that the rising American generation is the least patriotic generation in America. If you were communist China and you were part of a working group whose job it was to take America down, and you had a lot of assets, a lot of ways you could try out, try to do that, if somebody gave you a way to get into the classrooms of America and teach our children anti-American history, the Chinese government would give you Medals, awards. This is the key. This is it. Once we demoralize their youth, once we tell their youth that your country's evil, there's nothing here worth defending. We've already won the war and a shot hasn't been fired. Well, that's exactly what leftist teachers have been doing to American kids for a long time. And I, I keep reminding people it was, gr- it was really a tough thing to see statues of Jefferson, Lincoln, Washington being spray painted and you know vandalized, and so forth. And I kept telling people, "You don't get it." That's one of the final symptoms of what's happened. The, the, those heroes have already been, already been ripped out of the hearts of our children in classrooms the last 20 years. Now, some of those children become activists and they take it to the streets to put a period at the end of that sentence.
0: You know, China didn't do this to us, we did it to ourselves. We poured $6 trillion down the rat holes of Iraq and Afghanistan. While we starved our industries of of, uh, R&D funding, China did exactly the opposite. They're reaping the benefits, and we're reaping the costs. I'm afraid, Gary, that's going to do it for today. But join us uh, later in the week for another Bower & Rose podcast right here on JustTheNews.com. You can get us on Apple iTunes, Google Play. Help me out here, Gary. Stitcher, I, blah, blah, blah. Where, every, ah, how about this?
1: Wherever you get your
0: podcasts.
1: Yeah, every, every place I don't know how to work, <laughs> you can get us there.
0: Have a great week. We'll talk to you in a couple of days.
1: Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.